this morning, we're going to hear from Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson has grown up in Calvary Church. You think, whatever happens to folks who go through our church ministries and uh, what becomes of them? Well, Jimmy Simpson is a, one of our outstanding examples. Come on up here, Jimmy, of what God has done in, in a, one individual's life and through the Simpson family as well. Uh, Jimmy, every time uh, he would come back here, he would come back and forth from his ministry in Asia with OMF, and uh, often he was working on another degree in another school, and uh, so he is probably the most educated missionary that we have out there. But uh, we're excited for what God has done and is continuing to do in his life as he is uh, here in the States for a little bit, and he'll share more about that. But perhaps the foremost and most important ministry that Jimmy has taken on this year is the ministry of marriage. He got married seven months ago. And uh, Chloe, Chloe, stand up. We're glad to have Chloe here with us. And so, so many ways, you're still a newlywed. And uh, how is it going? It's going wonderfully. All right, very good, thanks. He should say that because his parents are here as well, Jim and Susie. We're glad to have the Simpsons here, and Luke as well. And uh, we all probably know and love Josh. Where's Josh? Josh is somewhere within the sound of my voice. Josh? (laughs) We'll talk to him later. But uh, we're glad to have uh, you with us. Thanks for your great work, and we're excited for what God's going to do today, this morning. It's a great message. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to be here. How is everyone today? Great. Well, as uh, Pastor Dave mentioned, uh, Chloe and I just recently returned from Asia, and I had been working with OMF International, and now I'm working for Far East Broadcasting Company. It's a ministry that does radio broadcasting and social media and internet in East Asia. So even though I'm home here in the States, I still have a heart for mission, and I'm so glad I get an opportunity to share with you today about my heart for mission. And uh, before I begin, I thought I'd just share a little bit. Uh, Some of you got to hear that uh, I am a Simpson, and I'm related to the famous pastor Josh Simpson. And so... (laughs) It's a little, little strange to be related to a famous pastor, and I can remember going to this church since second grade and going through junior high and high school, and people would meet Josh and be like, hey, you're, Jimmy, you're, you're Jimmy's brother, right? And now I come back, and everyone's saying, hey, you're, you're Josh's brother, right? So the tables have turned a little bit. It's getting, taking some getting used to, but I'm enjoying it. I'm glad to see Josh is being so fruitful in his ministry, and God's really blessing the work that's going on here. And I'm so encouraged to see that God is really blessing the work that's being done here in missions as well. And for those of you who didn't know, I have an older sister and a younger brother as well. Heather lives in San Clemente with her family. And Luke, you may have met last week with the Stronger Together campaign. He was in the back trying to encourage people to come play soccer on Sunday nights. So if you like soccer, come tonight and play uh, a good game in the gym. And he also works for Angels baseball team, which sadly didn't make it off in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, so sad. But it uh, reminds me of a funny story my dad likes to tell. Oh, here comes Pastor Josh. (laughs) He's going to be angry with me about that one. (laughs) But the, the funny story my dad used to like to tell, we used to go to New York to visit relatives. And one time we were checking in the hotel in New York. And uh, my father was talking with a gentleman, and, and he uh, came over, and he says, Oh, uh, I see your son's there. What are their names? Jimmy, Joshua, and Luke. Oh, those are Bible names, James, Joshua, and Luke. Well, what do your sons do? Are they Christians? Yes, they are Christians. Well, what do they do for a living? Uh, well, James, uh, he's, 
he's actually a missionary. Wow, very interesting. And Joshua, what does he do? Well, Joshua, he's a, he's a pastor. And, and Luke, is your son Luke, is he in ministry too? Oh, Luke, he just works for the angels. Works for the angels? <laughs> and it took a while before my dad explained that he works for these angels, not these angels. But it's just really great to see that uh, coming through Calvary, we've all come to know the Lord as our Savior and all been able to worship and serve God in our own ways. And for me to be in ministry and to be able to serve overseas, it's been just such a blessing. And uh, some of you may notice that, um, oh, I haven't even shown the picture here. Sorry, I have this clicker. So here's a picture of Chloe. We got married. Oh, so beautiful. We got married in, in Korea and we had a reception here in California. Um, so some of you may have noticed the topic animism, worshiping the creator instead of, worshiping the creator instead of the creator. Some of you may be saying, why is this guy talking about animism? And when Liz Gold invited me to speak about animism a year ago, I asked the same question. I said, why am I talking about animism? But as I researched it and looked into the Bible, I realized this is a serious topic and this is something we as the church need to be aware of. So here we have animism. Physical entities possess spiritual essence. Physical entities possess spiritual essence. Kind of a heavy topic, I know. So before I go into that, I want to ask the question, before today, how many of you had even heard of animism? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. But some of you hadn't even heard of it. Well, let me ask it in a different way. How many of you know of someone or have a friend who believes in astrology? They turn to the back of magazines for their horoscope. I'm a Pisces, I'm a Virgo. Raise your hand. Okay, a lot more of you. Raise your hand if you know of someone who believes in bad luck. They get in a car accident. I'm so unlucky. They lose a board game. I'm so unlucky. Raise your hand. A lot more of you. And then lastly, raise your hand if you know someone who's superstitious. Okay, practically everyone. So even we probably have some of our superstitions. Um, Pastor Matt Doan recently sent out an email to the church saying he was in a conversation with a friend and they said, knock on wood. And he said, well, why did I say that? Why didn't I say, let's pray for that? So it's weird how some of these superstitions come in. So before we go in to the topic, I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask this question. What are some common superstitions? So talk to the person next to you, say what their name is, just say hello, and spend a minute and ask, what is a common superstition you know of? Okay, well, I'll, I hate to break up the good conversation, and I'm sure you guys could probably talk about superstitions for a long time, especially now that it's October with Halloween coming up. I'm sure there's lots of great, uh, even movies and all these different scary things. But as we go on, I'm sure there's actually quite a few superstitions. So I created a few slides, and I want you just to call them out. When you recognize the superstition, go ahead and call them out. So here's the first one. So a black cat crosses your path, it's bad luck, right? Four-leaf clover. And this is the genuine one, not the fake ones, right? So this is official. It says genuine four-leaf clover. How about this one? Yeah, don't open an umbrella inside. My parents, they didn't know this one. Like, no umbrellas? What? So don't open an umbrella inside. Bad luck, okay? How about this one? Fortune cookies. 
you get your fortune. Mine is always something strange. And if you look on the back, they'll have lucky numbers. Okay. How about this one? Find a lucky penny. Yeah, I was telling last hour, I need to find a lucky dollar. Okay. Now, this is a little hard one. How about this one? Oh, you guys, you guys are sharp. Okay. If you break a mirror, you get seven years bad luck. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> fist, fist bump. <laughs> okay. And this one, I guess, has two meanings. One, if you're telling a lie, or one for good luck. I'm not sure. Don't walk under a ladder. Okay. 13th floor. Now, I told this story earlier. When I lived in China, they don't use the word 13. They actually don't use the word 4, because in Asia, the number 4 sounds just like the word death. So they don't like to live on the fourth floor. And for phone numbers, the number 444-444 is the cheapest number. So when I was there, I said, okay, give me that number. Okay, and this one, what is it? Rabbit's foot. I love the little quote at the bottom. Lucky rabbit's feet come from unlucky rabbits. And then for scary movies in October, Friday the 13th. And I love the quote here. It says, Friday the 13th, well, at least it's Friday. And then this one's for Pastor Eric Weakling. I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, he had a, a pet peeve, a thing he didn't like. So this is for him. <laughs> Sending good vibes your way. He doesn't like when people say that, especially Christians. So we should be praying for each other instead of sending good vibes. And so this kind of just shows that animism, even though we don't use that term, in America we have a lot of superstitions, we have a lot of spiritual things that either we believe in or that we just have a part of our culture. So animism, today's topic, worshiping the created instead of worshiping the creator. And so we'll get into it later, in Romans later, but I wanted to go into more what animism means. So animism comes from the Latin anima, and you get the word breath, wind, life, or soul. And we even go into the Old Testament in Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So it's this idea that your breath and life are connected. So it's putting life into an object. It's putting breath into an object. Also, another way to put it is the word animate or animation. You take a picture, you make a bunch of them, it turns into a living picture, animation. So Chloe and I, we we love Disneyland, we love Disney, we like... uh, to watch the films, and so when I thought of animation, I thought of this. So we have a picture of Walt Disney, and he's drawing a picture of Alice there, and she's coming to life. You're putting life into a physical object. You're bringing it to life. So here's another Disney film I thought you might enjoy, Pocahontas, and I'm going to show you a little clip from Pocahontas, which will give you a better understanding. Listen to what Grandmother Willow says about animism to help you understand. So watch this. I've been having this dream, and I think it's... Oh, a dream. Let's hear all about it. Quiet! (laughs) (laughs) Now, child, you were saying... Well, I'm running through the woods, and then right there in front of me is an arrow. As I look at it, it starts to spin. A spinning arrow? How unusual. Yes, 
It spins faster and faster and faster until suddenly it stops. Hmm. Well, it seems to me this spinning arrow is pointing you down your path. But Grandmother Willow, what is my path? How am I ever going to find it? <laughs> your mother asked me the very same question. She did? What did you tell her? I told her to listen. All around you are spirits, child. They live in the earth, the water, the sky. If you listen, they will guide you. I hear the wind. Yes. What is it telling you? I don't understand. Okay, sorry to disappoint some of you that wanted to hear the rest of the song. But uh, Grandmother Willow, what does she say? All around you are spirits, child. They live in the earth, in the water, and in the sky. If you listen, they will guide you. So this is basically saying that there are spirits in the physical objects. And if you can manipulate them or control, you, control them, they can guide you. They can help you. They will give you power. And if you think Disney's a little too cutesy, how about these other blockbuster movies that deal with animism? Avatar. Okay, this was a major theme in the movie, and maybe some of you didn't even notice it, but animism was a major theme. And perhaps this film, Star Wars, May the Force Be With You. So this is a great film. I enjoy it as well. But just kind of notice that these are some of the subtle themes that are in these films. So let me give you, after we've gone through all this, here's the definition of animism. Animism is a worldview which assumes physical objects contain spiritual power, which can be controlled or manipulated through rituals. Once again, animism is a worldview which assumes physical objects contain spiritual power, which can be controlled or manipulated through rituals. Okay, that may sound a little too technical, but let me go through what they want, what they like, and that will help explain what it is. So animists basically want power. They want to control the spirits to gain power. It wants to help them in their daily life. And there's a couple ways they want to do it. So if you look at your bulletin here, you can write notes, but there's the different ways they, they want to have this power. They want to have prosperity, right? They want to have blessing. They want to have it in the work. So they want to have it either from the, the fisherman in the tribe who wants to catch more fish to the hunter to want to get more, or even the CEO who wants to make an extra $10 million. These are people that are trying to control the spirit world to gain more prosperity. It could be in relationships, wanting to get a wife, wanting to uh, make new friendships. It could be for your health. It can even be a rain dance. It could be for protection. It could be trying to gain protection from your enemies. And this is something that's very interesting in animism. It could also be protection from other evil spirits. In animism, there's not just good spirits, there's also evil spirits. And so it's a balance of trying to know which ones are good, which ones are evil, and how to find protection. Now notice the next one says pragmatic. And this is just meaning that they want to use the spirits. They don't want a relationship. It's not like Christianity where we seek to be in relationship with God that we want to have a loving relationship and be adopted sons and daughters of God. They just want to use the spirits to get what they want. So it's a very pragmatic, very utilitarian way of being in relationship with the spirits. Also, it's very present-focused. It's give it to me now. I don't care about the future. It's not about salvation. It's about the temporary. So this is very different than Christianity. 
Now, why should we study animism? Now, this is a question many of you may be wondering. Now, it's Mission Sunday, so of course, as we share the gospel, we want to be better equipped to share the gospel with those who have not been heard, have not heard the gospel, the unreached people groups. It is estimated that about 40% of the population have not, uh, are based in religions that are based in animism. This can include 135 million that are tribal animus, 1.9 billion that are involved in a religion that is based in animism, like Hinduism or Buddhism. And this can also include religions that may have an animistic influence, such as folk Islam. Now, another reason we should study animism is because it has impacted us by making us have to respond to pluralism. Some of you may know that pluralism is saying there's a plurality of ways. How many of you have heard the expression, all roads lead to Rome? You've heard that. And then a lot of people like to say, well, all faiths lead to God. They'll say, Christianity is true for me, but it may not be true for you. So that makes the question, is Jesus the only way? Some of you may have seen this bumper sticker, coexist. And it has all the different symbols of different religions. It even has the cross for Christianity. And of course, all people of different faiths should coexist. We should have peace. But what this is saying is that we should all say each other's faith is true, that they all have, they're equally valid. But the problem is they can't all be equally true when they contradict. Okay, so even Jesus himself in John 14:6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus does not say, I am one of the ways, I am one of the truths, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, for those of you that aren't Christians today, maybe this is your first time in church, I really encourage you to think about, is Jesus just a teacher? Is he just leading a good moral path? Or is he the Messiah inviting you to have a, a, a salvation through Christ? And for those of you that are Christians, I really want you to say, is Jesus the only way? Acts 4.12 says, and there is no, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. If Jesus really is the only way, then we should be sharing it with our friends, with our neighbors, and even our enemies. I gave an example uh, last, last um, sermon talking about if you had a bank that was giving away $1,000 to everyone, and I told my wife, hey, this bank's giving away $1,000. And then I didn't tell Pastor Dave. I don't want to tell him. Pastor Dave comes up to me and says, why didn't you tell me this good news? I don't know. If we really believe that this is good news, that Jesus is good news, we have a command. We have the Great Commission. We have a command to tell everyone. Whether or not they accept it, that's up to them. But if we believe this to be good news, we should be sharing it. And we've mentioned this already, but in Romans 10, 14 through 15, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And we are all sent. Just as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So let us be those people that bring good news. Let us share Jesus with those who need to hear it. 
As I mentioned, I started working for Far East Broadcasting Company, FEBC, and it's a company that started 70 years ago to use radio stations in Asia to preach the gospel. And Chloe and I will be going to Urbana. It's a missions conference in uh, St. Louis for 16,000 college students. And so we recently made an ad that we hope will communicate to them. 70 years ago, a 21-year-old at Vanguard University had the call, I need to share the gospel. I want to do it. And so a 21-year-old had a vision to share the gospel with every single person in Asia. And so this was his dream. And now we are sharing the gospel through radio, through media, through internet, through speaker boxes with billions of people in Asia. And you can be involved in this with, with your sharing, with your praying, with even going on these short-term trips. And Calvary is just such a wonderful place. Calvary has been shaping me to be involved in missions. And I'm just so thankful for this church and for your support. And there's another reason to uh, be involved in the study of animism. Not only so we can be sending the gospel out, but unfortunately, animism is creeping into our faith. Animism is creeping into our faith. There's something called folk Christianity. Many of you may have heard that the Pope came to the States recently, and there was a congressman named Bob Brady that saw that there was a water on the Pope's desk. And when he finished giving the speak, uh, speech to Congress, Bob Brady, he went up and grabbed it, and he said, this water is special because the Pope touched it. He said, quote, it is blessed, it is holy water. Everything the Pope touches is blessed, and you can't tell me otherwise. He took it, he drank it, he gave it to his wife to drink, gave it to his staff to drink, and even took it home to sprinkle over his grandchildren. This is animism, this is folk Christianity. For those of you that think, oh, this doesn't really happen in our churches, there is folk Christianity in evangelical churches as well. Folk Christianity has come into the evangelical church through the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, also known as the health and wealth gospel, basically is saying, if I'm good enough, if I pray hard enough, if I go to church every Sunday, I'll be rich and I'll live until I'm 110. But that's not really in the Bible. I look at Paul, one of my spiritual heroes, and I'm like, he's always in prison. He's always suffering. And he's rejoicing in his suffering. So I don't really see this, this prosperity gospel in the Bible. Also, I look at it, and it's not having a relationship with God. It's treating God like a genie in a bottle. I get God, I manipulate him to get what I want. It's treating God like Santa Claus. If I'm good, I get a gift. If I'm bad, I get a penalty. And also, it goes against Scripture. Matthew 6, 19 through, uh, 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm going to take a drink here. Don't worry, it's, it's not blessed. Okay, so as we can see, we need to be cautious because animism is creeping in to our faith as well. We need to realize God is the creator. We are not the center. God is at the center. When we put ourselves at the center, we are animus. We are treating God as a spirit to be controlled. And that is not the way it should be. And so in Romans 1.21 today, 21 through 25, God is giving us a warning. And that warning is 
Worship the creator, not the created. Once again, worship the creator, not the created. Now that's not saying the created things are bad. Genesis shows us the created things are good, but we should never put anything above God. Turn with me in your Bibles or in the bulletin to Romans 1, 21 through 25. I'll put it here on the screen as well. Romans 1, 21 through 25. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. God is giving us a warning. He is telling us to worship the creator, not the created. When we worship the created, that is called idolatry. In Exodus 20, 3-4, God tells us, You shall have no gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven or above or on the earth, beneath or in the water under the earth. Basically, an idol is anything that is a cheap imitation of God. Why, when we have the God, the creator, do we worship the created? When I lived in Asia, I used to go to the market and they would have fake Rolexes. And I would see these Rolexes, they looked like the real thing. And I have to confess to you, I actually bought one. And I had my fake Rolex, and I looked at it, and I said, this is so cool. I look like I have a Rolex. Two days later, it stopped working. (laughs) Why do we pursue cheap imitations? And here in Psalm 135, we have a cheap imitation. The idols of the nations are nothing but silver and gold, the works of man's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear nor is there any breath at all in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them. Remember, animism, anima means breath, it means life. These idols have no breath in their mouths. They have no life. And this is the warning. Those who make them will be like them. Let us not put our hope in idols. But many of you might say, I don't have any idols. I don't have a gold statue here. I don't have a silver statue there. I don't have any idols. But let's take a look at what one pastor says idolatry really is. Tim Keller, the pastor of Redeemer Church in New York, says, This is an idol. It is anything more important to you than God. It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what you want that only God can give. An idol, it is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. If I have that, then I'll know I'll have value. If I have that, then I'll feel significant and secure. He goes on to say, 
There are many ways to describe that kind of relationship. But perhaps the best one is worship. We do not need to be worshiping these idols. We need to put Christ as our Lord. I once heard a sermon a while back, and it really convicted me. It was, is Christ your Lord? The pastor went on to say, you can say yes, Lord, but you can't say no, Lord. When you say no, Lord, you're doing a contradiction. The word Lord means master. You can't say no to your master. Once you say no to your master, he's not your master anymore. So you can say yes, Lord, but you can't say no, Lord. Hudson Taylor, the founder of OMF International, said, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Is Christ the Lord of your life? Is there anything you are saying no, Lord, to? Here's a question that was kind of hard for me and Actually, my wife, Chloe, said that I should share this today. What are my idols? And um, some of you may notice that there's um, white pieces of paper in your, in your packet there. But um, today I was going to share some of my idols. And I have many. But um, growing up in this church, actually, sitting in these pews that you're at, we used to sing a song, one of the hymns, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And you don't have to worry. I'm not going to sing it for you today. But one of the stanzas was, Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Basically saying, take all my money, I'm not even going to keep a penny. God, I give you my everything if you want it. And I remember looking at that and I said, I can't sing that. And at that moment I said, no, Lord. And I realized that money was my idol. Another time I realized one of my idols was when I was on the mission field. And even though I was trying to serve God on the mission field, prestige had become very important to me. I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to think I was important. Just last night, I was at my 20th high school reunion. And of course, you want people to think, wow, you're really impressive. And on the mission field at this reunion, I realized I want people to think highly of me. But it was when I read a book by OMF's national director, international director, Patrick Fung, The book was called Live to Be Forgotten. Live to be forgotten so that Christ can be remembered. If our goal is to be important, if our goal is to be remembered, we're not putting Christ first. And it was, I realized I'm not being a good missionary if I'm living to make myself remembered. And so I've written down my idols on this piece of paper, prestige and money. I have many more, but I've written down these two. These are my main ones. And I, God is working with me and I'm giving these up to God. So I want to give some time, personal reflection, and I want to give you a minute, and I want you to write down, are there any idols in your life? Is there a place you try to find your ultimate, complete fulfillment, security, and complete identity outside of God? So go ahead and take a moment and really ask yourself, is there anything you are saying no, Lord, to? So take a moment and please write down any idols that you have in your life. It could be money. It could be sex. It could be power. It could be relationships. So please take a moment to write this down on this piece of paper. This is just between you and God. I can give you some more time as I continue to talk and you can think about it as I'm speaking. But I wanted to move on The problem with these idols is that it gets in the way of us worshiping God. Don't let anything replace God in your life. 
He is at the center. Don't let anything take that place. Worship the creator, not the create. Uh, worship the creator, not the created. What do we do with these idols now that we have them? Romans 1, 21 through 25 gives us a warning, but it also gives us a good way to look at what to do. I've given you an acronym here, THROW, T-H-R-O-W. We need to throw these idols away. If you take a look again at Romans 1, 21 through 25, first, let's look at verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. The problem with idol worship is that we're not recognizing him as God. First, we need to give him thanks. We need to recognize him as the creator. So that's T. Secondly, we need to have humility. Professing to be wise, they became fools. This is the big problem. We think we are wise, and that's when we become fools. But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, my grandmother often shared this with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Please make humility a priority in your life. Do not think of yourself as wise, or else you'll become foolish, as in this story. Next, recognition. As I shared about the cheap imitations, you need to recognize the fakes. Know the real Rolex from the fake Rolex. Recognize the true created from the created. So, in recognition, they gave up the incorruptible God for the corruptible man for the images of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Let us recognize what the truth is. As we mentioned with pluralism, let us recognize that Jesus is the only way. Next, with obedience. God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity. God wants us to say, yes, Lord. He doesn't want us to say, no, Lord. And this doesn't mean we're always perfect. This doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. But this means we need to say, you are my master, and I want to follow you. I want to say, yes, Lord. I don't want to say, no, Lord. And then finally, with worship, it says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator. We need to flip this, and we need to know which is the truth. We need to worship and serve the creator. So let us take these, and what I want you to do is take them right now. I want you to crumple them up, and what we're going to do, we're going to crumple these up, and when we have our communion time, I want you to go over to the bucket, and I want you to throw them away. So we have this an acronym here, and we are going to throw these idols away. But the problem when you throw them away, idols often come back. We not only have to throw the idols away, we have to replace them with Jesus Christ. We have here another helpful reminder from Tim Keller where he says, the only way to free ourselves from the destructive influence of counterfeit gods is to turn back to the true one, the living God who revealed himself both at Mount Sinai and on the cross. This is Jesus Christ. He is the only Lord who, if you find him, can truly fulfill you, and if you fail him, can truly forgive you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can look at your word and we can just realize that we have worshipped false idols and we need to turn to you. God, I ask for your grace that you would help us to give up these idols and that we would put you at the center of our lives. Lord, we just thank you so much that you've given us your word that you can direct us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be making us the Lord of our lives, that we would say yes, Lord. Thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name, amen.